Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Friday afternoon edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty, Kelly Sander, Dalton Stanford from the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg. Luke Johnson over in Laurel at the First Bank Studios there. Beautiful fall day here in Hattiesburg. Only 98 degrees with uh, 89% humidity. Other than that, it's just like fall. And uh, it reminds us of football season. This segment is sponsored by... Dickie's Barbecue Pits, proud supporters of the Eagle Hour. Dickie's uh, will cater any event for you, large or small, doesn't matter. Uh, whether it's church, office, home, games, whatever, you can always sit back, relax, let Dickie's do the cooking. The food's always delicious. And in-house, of course, they cook fresh meat every day, and they always serve Kelly's two favorites, a little combination of creamed spinach and vanilla ice cream. And that's why I've uh, had an issue over the years, you know, loading up on that ice cream. But the, but the, the whiffs... And the aroma going by Dickies, those are always free when you drive by there. And that's pretty smart over there, Park. <laughs> yes, sir. Jonathan Palmer is a former tight end for the Golden Eagles. He'll be uh, joining us a little later in the show. His dad also played football at Southern Miss, so we will look forward to that conversation. Uh, later in the show as well, we're going to continue our NFL previews by looking at the NFC South, and that, of course, is the division of the New Orleans Saints, Atlanta Falcons, Carolina Panthers, and Tampa Bay Bucks. And really, when you look at all those divisions in the NFL that we've talked about, Bob, this one probably has the most Southern Miss flavor. You know, when you look at all the players, Ito Smith with the Falcons, right. and you got Dotson with the with yep. the Buccaneers, and Cameron Tom with the Saints. I mean, there's a lot of Southern Miss guys in that division, so that'll That's be exactly fun. right. And some Southern Miss guys on the field last night as the, as the preseason of the National Football League really kicked off a, a big host of games. The Saints play Minnesota later tonight, but there were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and there were 11, 11 games uh, in the league last night, and uh, Luke, I'm going to guess that there were some Southern Miss kids on the field last night in the various parts of the country. Jamie Collins uh, with the Patriots. Patriots beat the the, the Lions thirty-one to three. Collins didn't play much, you know, just because uh, he, he's he's going to be one of the starters there. But he had a, a, a tackle and a sack last night, and, and not very much work. Um, Miami played Atlanta. Ito uh, rushed uh, just four times for seven yards last night, but he scored a touchdown. Cornell Armstrong on the Miami defensive side, three tackles. So good for those uh, two guys. The Jags uh, got shut out last night by the Baltimore Ravens. My buddy Logan Cook had to punt eight times in a preseason game, which is not good. But Picasso Nelson for the Jags, uh, really towards the top of the uh, defensive stat sheet for the Jags, four tackles and a sack and also had uh, two quarterback hits. So wow. uh, some some good showings last night. I was looking for Kalen Reed uh, with uh, the Seahawks, but didn't have any stats for him uh, last night. The Seahawks beat the Broncos twenty two to fourteen. Let's talk about Picasso Nelson a minute. What a great start for him, and you know a lot about that kid, Kelly. Picasso has always been. I mean, he's not only been the top of his game football wise, but brilliant academically. 
uh, and has has known for a long time. You know what he says. Whenever the football career ends, and obviously it will be at some point. You know he wants to get into real estate development. Uh, you know property management. I mean he's got all kinds of business plans all ready to go mm-hmm. for when that call does come. But as long but hardworking, you know, very athletic. Of course, his dad, Picasso Nelson Sr., who's a, a preacher, uh, you know, played at uh, Jackson State. So he knows all about, you know, what it takes to have to get to the next level. But it, but until you get that call from the NFL saying that they're willing to give you a chance, you know, you don't have a, you don't get a chance. Well, the Jaguars have given him that opportunity. And based on what Luke just said in the performance he had last night, good for him. So he know. really stepped up, sounds like, Luke. Yeah, four tackles and a sack, and and what's big about it? I mean, two quarterback hits. That just kind of shows you, you know, the uh, the schemes and and the plans of that Jacksonville defense didn't really, you know, pay off in the end. They got shut out, but at the same time, that's a place and uh, you know where where the Jags always have a lot of versatility on the defensive side. So he's a guy, you know, looking to to make the team and sure uh, went a long way last night. Well, the Golden Eagle that probably made the most headlines last night was not a Golden Eagle player but rather a former Golden Eagle coach where Todd Munkin's Cleveland Browns annihilated, decimated, embarrassed, and humiliated. Hail to the Redskins last night. 30 to 10. That's a lot of verbs. That's a lot of verbs, Kelly. Yeah, thank you, Kelly. And very few we can even spell. Right. But good for Coach Munkin. Man, the, the Browns were clicking on all cylinders, scoring on the very first drive of the game and never looked back. Well, and you can thank, too, the Redskins' new rookie quarterback, Haskins, for throwing a TD six and then throwing another TD that set him up for a pretty easy touchdown. But you're right, and I and I think, uh, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, who knows who was playing and who wasn't playing in any of these games. A lot of veterans, I'm going to assume, did not see much of the field last night. That may be an early peek at the Browns and uh, and Todd Munkin and uh, boy, you know I gotta say it'd be exciting to see Munkin uh, lead an explosive offense and, and the Browns make a big run this year, wouldn't it? And Munkin, you know, interviewed for the for the Bengals head coaching job. I told him the best thing that could have ap- happened to him was that he didn't get the job. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> but, but, but he killed it in the interview. The guys in Cincinnati say that he killed it, but they had kind of made up their mind that Zach Taylor was the way they were going to go, so he could have killed it and it wouldn't have mattered. But the fact that Munkin got such rave reviews, and not just the Bengal interview, but he interviewed it with, for some other positions as well, he's going to be one of those guys. I'll bet you next year he'll be a head coach somewhere. Yeah. You know? I'll tell you another Golden Eagle, Luke, that'll be on, probably on the field tonight is Cameron Tom. I know the Saints did bring in a new center, but Cameron Tom, I, I would think, looks to get some playing time this year in New Orleans starting tonight against the Vikings. Yeah, with Max Unger retiring, they actually brought in um, a veteran. But Cameron, it's a three-man race for the starting center job. But Cameron Tom will be out there tonight. He'll play a lot. Saints really like him. This is the only team he's ever been on. He knows the system. He's comfortable uh, with Drew Brees, especially even you know last year having to, to play through those. Uh, but, you know, the Saints tonight, uh, I don't even know. I guess Breeze will hand off a, a, a couple plays, and and you know that that'll be about it. But I'd be interested to see what the Vikings uh, throw at them. Uh, one more Golden Eagle uh, with the Vikings uh, tonight: Rashad Hill, an offensive tackle. Uh, so uh, two former, I believe Tom and he were uh, were both teammates. So they'll be scoring off tonight. All right. In summary, the Giants beat the Jets last night, thirty-one twenty-two. The Bills beat the Colts, twenty-four sixteen. The Dolphins, thirty-four twenty-seven over the Falcons. The Patriots. 31-3 over the Lions. 
The Ravens blank the Jags 29-zip. Browns beat the Redskins 30-10. Titans beat the Eagles 27-10. Panthers beat the Bears 23-10. The Packers beat the Texans 28-26. Cardinals beat the Chargers 17-13. And uh, Seattle beat Denver 22-14. And Kelly Center, I think all of those scores cumulatively mean nothing. No, they don't. And and one thing we've discussed off the air, and you have to wonder in the, the new National Football League players' association agreement that's being negotiated with the owners of the nfl is this this debate about four exhibition games too many yeah too I, many. well i think so and i and i do get the the fact that the younger guys like the picasso nelsons and some of these guys are out there trying to impress trying to earn a starting spot but i think with the practices and two exhibition games that ought to be enough because the fans aren't don't want to pay money to go watch the third and fourth string quarterback Right. I mean, they want to see the Drew Breeses. They want, you know, they want to see the Tom Brady's. And in the preseason, they're just not getting that. And look, I know how rugged a season it is. The owners are the owners want even more regular season games. Well, heck, it's hard to get through one regular season without a serious injury. So, one of the things I think that the players should maybe negotiate is look, fewer preseason games. If if you want more regular season games, we'll give it to you. But what you're going to give us is fewer preseason well, games. I think that's a win-win for the fans and the players and the league and everybody. And if they have to start practices a week earlier than they normally that's do, what then, they do for a living. Then so do it. That's you know, right. There are that's two right. teams that actually play five preseason games. The, the two teams that play in the Hall of Fame in game. the Hall of Fame game, five preseason games. That's a lot of football. And and you would think if the coaches who have been around this league and a lot of you know they get fired from Team A, they go to Team B. They get fired from Team B, they go to Team C. All these guys have been around the league a long time they've got this process down they don't need six weeks to find out who no. their 53 best no. guys are no all right so a good night for a lot of golden eagles and especially for a picasso and uh knowing what a great kid that is you got to really be happy about that that's and, just good news and you just hope honestly that not just picasso but all these rookies you really hope especially the undrafted ones like picasso was you hope that they get a honest fair shake you know, right. and you would think that they would, because after all, there's only one ball that counts. Right. Uh, real quick, did you see the opening act of uh, what's what's the name of the show? Hard Knocks? Hard Knocks last night, Luke. I did not. Gruden's Gruden is with the uh, with the Raiders, and Gruden's at the start of the practice, and he's got them all in a circle, and he says, I "Want to make sure you all understand you're playing in the NFL." We're not trying to get to the Blue Bonnet Bowl. We're not trying to get to the Liberty Bowl. We're trying to get to the blank and blank and Super Bowl, man. <laughs> that's, that's the only one in the NFL. All right, Jonathan Palmer, former tight end for the Golden Eagles, is next on the Eagle Hour. Stay with us. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. 
Welcome back. TGIF edition of the Eagle Hour from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Full crew with us today, as uh, we always like it. want to thank our good friends at uh, Campus Bookmart for sponsoring this segment of the show, Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. Great places to buy your favorite Southern Miss apparel for your house, for your car, for your home, and for your body. And uh, they've got every size, every color, every school, uh, every season, I should say. You can imagine it's all at Campus Bookmart on Hardy Street. And if you're going to shop online, just go to campusbookmartmart.net. Jonathan Palmer was a tight end for the Southern Miss Golden Eagles from 2002 through 2006. The son of a former Southern Miss football player himself, Rick Palmer. And we're glad to have Jonathan on the program. Jonathan, great time of the year, isn't it? Hey, happy Friday to y'all. How are things going in South Mississippi? Well, we're good. We we sort of got news, and, and we really want to extend our sympathies to you. Uh, during the break, we were told that you live in Oxford. Is is that true, Jonathan? <laughs> Man, it's been uh, it's been uh, home for us. Not like a permanent home, but but it's been home for us uh, as we've helped launch Pine Lake Church here in Oxford over the past four years. So mm-hmm. we. Uh, We've we've grown to really really enjoy it up here, but we miss Hattiesburg a lot, especially this time of year. Well, please tell us you're not wearing penny loafers with no socks, khaki pants, and navy blue blazers everywhere you go. <laughs> you know, Luke Johnson could probably pull that look <laughs> off, but I could never pull that look off. So I'm in a t-shirt and, and shorts right now. This this Friday afternoon. You sound so, like a USM yeah. guy, Jonathan. Let's say, yeah. yeah, there you go. All right, tight end from 02 to 06. And Luke was telling me earlier this morning that you played for a multitude of uh, offensive coordinators in your time there. So the kids that are getting ready to play football right now face with the same thing, new offensive coordinator, new philosophy. What sort of challenges uh, do you think that's presenting to the football team? Yeah, I think – as I look back on on just multiple transitions from the from the offensive days uh, back in early 2000s, I think guys just need to be clear on where they're going to find a fit. You know what's what's their role, what's their position. They might they might shift in a position or two uh, with the skill guys. Obviously, the offensive line is pretty uh, pretty set, uh, but with skill guys. You know, you just want to know where your fit is and where you're going to be most productive and, and help the team. That's what that's what I always wanted to know. It's like, hey, what, what's what's our role going to be as tight ends this year or uh, this game? So I think if they can clear that up at fall camp, uh, that helps people going forward into the year. How big a learning curve is there when the season actually gets underway when you have a new OC? Well, it depends on the learner, I think, and the coach as well. Uh, that's why just so many repetitions in in the in the summer. Uh, also, with fall camp, I think the the more mental work that's done in preparation, the easier it is on the field. Uh, they're going to throw a different, a lot of different looks at you. I know our defense has always did, uh, and Luke remembers that. But uh, you know, I think. Just mental reps. I know the practice schedule has has lightened, I guess, on on number of practices that you can actually have, and what that looks like to, in today's game versus 15 years ago. But uh, that's where the mental work comes in. It's funny you say that, guys. I heard uh, back to uh, back to that show. I heard uh, Chucky last night telling the Oakland Raiders 
Back when I was coaching before, this time of the year, we'd be having three practices a day. If I tried to do that now, I'd be incarcerated. And so I guess that's, uh, I guess that's the, uh, the new world that we live in. Luke, what have you got for Jonathan Palmer? Well, before I ask him a question, just to tell you how tough this guy is, I don't know what game it was. It was at home. He comes off the field, and uh, he's got a dislocated pinky, and it's, his, his pinky is pointed in the opposite direction, guys. Uh, Todd McCall takes care of it. I was sitting there. Basically, he was, like, hitting me because it hurt so bad. They taped it up. They put him right back in the game. So that kind of exemplifies what type of dude Jonathan Palmer is. Jonathan, you know, our, our listeners out there remember your father. Um, and, of course, everybody knew your your grandparents, the Ogletrees. What was it like for you out of Tyler, Texas, you know, to be offered a scholarship and, and come and play at the same university where your father played? It, it was almost a surprise. You know, I think um, luckily I had, had a few different places, you know, that were interested, you know, and always thought I'd end up in Texas playing ball or somewhere kind of in that Big 12 area of what it was back then. But I came to a camp uh, going into my junior year and got connected, uh, reconnected with Coach Bauer. Uh, he was Dad's quarterback when Dad was playing from 72 to 75. Dad played tight end and punted his kick behind Ray Guy. And, you know, it was just a, it was just a, a surprise that um, I just went to camp and, and fell in love with, uh, with the university. We didn't um, come to a lot of games just with Dad coaching on Friday nights and my uncle coaching at the University of Houston for so long. We would, we would always go down there, but you know, I think it was um, obviously just just a just a, a natural connection. We visited Hattiesburg kind of in the off seasons and would ride through campus, and all that became really tangible <laughs> and real. And uh, you know, to come to a place, you know, top twenty-five team during that day, uh, guys getting drafted uh, left and right, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, that's where they really recruited me, Randy Butler was a defensive line coach and ended up becoming my tight end coach my last two years and uh, really just had a big, big, big marker and um, in my life at that camp. And, you know, Southern Miss always wanted me from day one. From that camp on, uh, they, they were always interested. And I think that makes a difference for a recruit. If somebody jumps on you early and really builds that, that relationship, uh, obviously it was a natural fit uh, going to going to a home uh, away from Texas, it was my it was my Mississippi home. So, and I think too, I think and lots it, of times recruits can tell, don't you guys? When when coaches are sincere in their appeal of wanting them to go there, I think so. Well, I, I, I mean, I think you, so you tell sure. me. I mean, it's it's pretty pretty obvious if you're if you're a number or you're a name. You know, it, it's it's one of those things. If you're a number on the board or if you're a name, that makes a big difference. And uh, I know recruiters. Great recruiters. It's kind of hard to tell the difference uh, if you're if you're a recruit uh, in that. But it felt like home. It was home, and it was just a natural a natural connection. One of uh, one of the cool things about your career, Jonathan, uh, back in the day when my my time there uh, when I was a senior, that was the last time that we didn't have a conference USA championship game. Uh, but the the next year, your senior year, was really the first time that conference USA had a championship game. You got to play in that. What was that experience like? Well, the the outcome <laughs> still burns yeah. today. <laughs> uh, you know, I I think what was what was fun 
is going back. Anytime we played back in Texas, uh, we always had a lot of a lot of fans, you know, come out, and all my friends. Uh, that was kind of their time to come and see us and see me, um, and and family, extended family. So that's that was always fun. I think for the championship game, it was kind of one of those things that that was um, inaugural. It was new, and so you kind of got some swag, you got some gear, but then you got a chance to beat a team that we had already beaten earlier, previously, you know, five weeks before, and beat them in Hattiesburg, pretty, pretty decisively, and uh, we had a great game plan, and then. Our Browse receivers got hot in the, in the second half, and we couldn't we couldn't do anything with those guys. And uh, if you talk to Coach Hop today, man, he'll he'll still tell you that they were getting on the ball a lot quicker than uh, than they should have, not not allowing our defense to get set. I think that's why they changed the rule on that game. Wow. Yeah. So, JP. Anyway. Um... You uh, just what anybody that played with you just remember that you were the first guy uh, to to jump up and, and run the lap. You were the first guy to finish the lap at, at workouts. You were the guy that would always step up and 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 try to lead. And and now as a you know as a pastor in, in Oxford, how did you know play in Southern Miss? Because you actually you weren't in the ministry. You you were a drug pharmaceutical rep uh, for several years. But how did your you know that leadership style and and being a team captain at Southern Miss? How has that helped you now where you are? Yeah, you you can say it, Luke. I was a drug dealer. It's okay. You know I'm I'm okay with that. <laughs> uh, Luke, I, you know this kind of about me. You know, just doing a lot of life with you. Um, it's always, I, you know, obviously leadership can be can be learned, but a lot of it's inside of you. And so, man, God just has given me that uh, initiative, that willingness, the desire to, to lead and be out in front. Uh, it, it, you put it into practice, especially when it's hard, when you don't want to do to do things, uh, but you know that everybody else doesn't want to. <laughs> So somebody's got to be first. Somebody's got to go run stadiums first. Somebody's got to get in the drill first. Um, I never minded to sacrifice like that. So I think that's what it takes. Right. Just just a sacrificial kind of leadership style that I that I have today. All right, Jonathan. Thanks for being on the show. Remember, now don't give in, Jonathan. We know where you live. That's no, right. no penny loafers without socks, khaki pants, and navy blue blazers, please. Hey, hey! Uh, only Luke could uh, could could Instagram that, you know, and, and Photoshop that. that. Y'all don't y'all don't have, have a great party. day, Palmer. I appreciate it. Have a great day, <laughs> Jonathan Palmer. Everybody on the Eagle Hour. We'll be right back. Southern Miss to the top. 
third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you today and every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Trivia, Southern Miss memorabilia, great lunch specials, and great weekly specials. Be sure to check them out on Facebook, 4th Street Bar and Grill. Appreciate Jonathan Palmer uh, for joining us uh, in that last segment. Now a pastor up in, uh, I guess, and a missionary for uh, Southern Miss up in uh, up in Oxford. Uh, guys, uh, Jonathan's special guy to me. Uh, we, we hit it off as soon as he came in and I was a, a groomsman in his wedding and he was a groomsman in, in our wedding and uh, just a just a great guy and three generations really of, of Southern Miss uh, uh, you know fanfare and, and uh, impact on the campus with his father and, and his grandparents. Gotta great be a, interview. Gotta be a tough guy to survive living up there. I can't imagine. I, I was just saying you know in the commercial break with Bob Luke I was saying I said, here's a guy obviously down on his knees praying saying, Lord I want to serve you just send me where you want me to go. I'm yours, right? <laughs> and then the message comes back, you are to go to Oxford. And I'm sure he's probably going, okay, now, seriously, no joking. Come on. Don't be pulling my leg here, God. About, <laughs> Where do you really want like me to go? Jonah, it's about like Jonah and Nineveh, right? He didn't want to get swallowed by a whale, so he just went ahead and went on. Okay, well, God, say, okay, what's your second choice? <laughs> Well, we appreciate him being on the show, and uh, we do have sympathy for him, no question. All right, we're going to finish up our NFL preview today. We're going to go to the NFC South. Luke's been waiting on this uh, all for the past two weeks. I know that. So uh, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, Carolina, and Atlanta will start with the team that had the worst record from that conference last year. Tampa Bay was 5-11, and but it's an all-new Tampa Bay. Bruce Arians, the former coach of the uh, Arizona Cardinals, is now the new head coach at Tampa, their fifth coach in the last 10 years. They went out and signed four defensive free agents. They drafted four defensive players in their first five draft choices. Arians has always been a defensive guy, and obviously that's that's the immediate avenue he's going to take. Big question, can Jamison Winston step up and stay out of trouble? Can Bruce Arians turn things around at Tampa Kelly Center? No. Uh, Arians, the only way he'd come out of retirement, though, is if he got to go to Tampa Bay. So he obviously got some of the some of the concessions you know, that he, that he wanted. But Winston is not the answer. That's why I really thought, in my opinion, that's why I thought when Munkin was there, if Munkin would have gotten the head coaching position, a trade for Nick Mullins would have been perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, to go to Tampa Bay with their with their Southern Miss relationship there. I do see Tampa Bay being improved from where they were last year, but Jameis Winston is not the guy that's going to lead you to the promised land, in my opinion. I agree with that, uh, uh, Luke. I think Jameis and Winston is more trouble than he's worth. What would you think? It's just hard for me to believe he's only twenty five years old. Mm-hmm. It seems like he's been in the NFL right. a lot longer uh, than that. You just, yeah, it, it's kind of, is it is this the end of the beginning or the beginning of the end? And I, I really don't know if uh, if Arians can can turn it around with Jameis Winston. Uh, they had a great offense, but that was Todd Munkin last year. The, the, the player that I'm interested to see the uh, immediate impact is Devin White, the uh, linebacker from LSU. I mean, a phenomenal linebacker, probably the best in the draft last year. That's who they took with first-round pick, and, and he's going to create some some headache for some people uh, because he's he's about as good as they come in the middle. So, uh, apart from that, I'm just not sure what they can do offensively. And Arians is going to have probably have an have to have an excuse this year or throw Jameis out there as as the excuse and the reason to cut him in the offseason. Carolina is another team. They were seven and nine last year. They've been pretty shaky the last few years. Cam Newton injured toward the end of last season. 
they go out in the third round and draft uh, Will Greer, a quarterback out of Virginia. They got a great young player, Christian McCaffrey, really one of the bright stars in the National Football League. But I think, Kelly, Ron Rivera could be feeling the heat. He's had four or five teams now uh, in his seven years there that have finished with less than eight wins. And uh, if Cam Newton is not healthy, I don't see Carolina doing much. One of the things he has going for him here, though, Bob, is in in my opinion, this is the toughest division in football. In my opinion. Now, there will be some that will say the AFC North and with the Steelers and the Ravens and, you know, uh, Steelers. Um, but I think this one, when you when you put the, the Falcons and the, the Saints into the mix and an improved Tampa Bay team, so he'll have that going for them. But um, but you're right. But remember, this is just a, a team that was not far from the Super Bowl, in the Super Bowl not long ago. So yeah. they certainly have the capability. And you fantasy football guys, McCaffrey should be moving up on your boards because they're, they're expecting a lot out of him this year, not only toting the rock but catching some out of the backfield. Uh, Luke, a dynamic player in McCaffrey, a dynamic quarterback in Cam Newton. Yeah, but what you what you worry about Newton and and I got vested interest in Newton. He's my fantasy, been my dynasty quarterback in fantasy football. But he changed his throwing uh, motion rather than you know having his shoulder fixed. I don't know, like how that works. You know, you've been doing something for you know with him even in high school, then then at Blend and Auburn, and you know six years in the NFL, and you're just going to change it all of a sudden. I mean, that's just I think that's a band aid. So I, I think I could see him, uh, you know, week six, week seven, it could be aggravated off of a hit or something. I mean, let's be honest, teams aren't you you may they may not go after each other after you know Bounty Gate, but somebody's going to jump. Somebody's going to try to. You know, shot him pretty good, hit him pretty good uh, to uh, to fool with that. McCaffrey's there, but he played like 900 snaps last year. Don't know if that's uh, you know possible again this year. They're going to have to do something, or people are just going to you know pin their ears back and come after Cam Greer will not be ready to play. The Atlanta Falcons were seven and nine, but the Falcons are a very talented football team. Uh, they have Matt Ryan, a really great quarterback. They spent a lot of time in the offseason rebuilding their offensive line. I think, guys, they have as good a receiving core as anybody in the league with Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu, and the tight end Austin Cooper. You take with that, they had the fifth-ranked defense in the league last year. They do bring in a new offensive coordinator who I believe was the former head coach in Tampa. Kelly Center, I think the Atlanta Falcons can challenge New Orleans in this division. Well, this is this is a team that almost went from first to last, you know, in in one year. So a, a lot of a lot of question marks. And Dan Quinn, who the head coach at Atlanta, who was really under under the gun last year because of the way the team collapsed, they have to perform better this year. And he he made some coaching changes and moved some people around on the coaching staff in order for that to happen. Again, tough division, uh, but I don't I'm not as high in the Falcons as you are. Just there are too many cha- too many changes on the coaching staff. All right, Luke. I know you don't like the Dirty Birds, but do you agree with me or Kelly that Atlanta could challenge New Orleans for this division? They could challenge, but it's going to have to be what they do in division against the Saints. I mean, they got a tough schedule. They they're at Minnesota. Uh, they play Philly. They're AFC. They play at Indy at Houston. Uh, they got to take on the Rams. They got to play the Seahawks. And you know, then you you've got you play the Panthers uh, two out of the last four games. Uh, Matty Ice, um, a lot of times he can he can melt. I mean, down the stretch and. 
28 to three. That's all you have to say. You know, there, there's there Julio Jones last year. I think one of their problems was Sarkeesian, their former OC, didn't get Julio involved at all. Uh, you know, thirty yards in or even in the red zone. So I, I think Cutter's gonna gonna make that a point of emphasis. Uh, but it's just I think their schedule. I think it's really hard for them to you know to start two or two or three and oh because I mean you week week one. Vikings, week two, Eagles, week three, Colts. Mm-hmm. There's a chance you lose all three of those. All right. Let's not forget to Edo Smith probably play a pretty big role for the Falcons this year. All right. The Saints, as everybody knows, were 13-3 and last year and one game away from going to the Super Bowl. They've, uh, you know, they. There was a controversial call in that I, game. I don't think there was. Yeah, can I, I correct you, Bob? It, it there, the, it was they the were right one. Call. They were one call away, yeah, not the, one game away. Right one call away. What did Todd Munkin say? Get over it. Right. <laughs> Drew Brees, of course, enters his 13th season. I didn't realize until this morning he's 40 years old. Uh, but the Saints obviously are are loaded to the gill offensively with great talent. Uh, they bring in Latarius Murray, a new running back, Jared Cook, a tight end, Nick Easton, a new center. Uh, the Saints, I think, pretty good defensively, probably want to improve some uh, defensively. But seems to me, guys, the key is keeping the 40-year-old quarterback on his feet. Well, you think 40 years old? Tom Brady's 42. And they just Tom Brady. And they just signed a three-year extension right, for that I guy. Agree, I agree. They keep making these and, rules. And, to, and Breeze is right there with Tom Brady in the level of talent. But am I right in assuming that the season for the New Orleans Saints depends on the health of Drew Breeze? Not as much as other teams because they are so loaded. I, I liked your choice of words, too, that the Saints are loaded because, ironically, most of their fans at game time or loaded to the gills. Yes, <laughs> yeah. right. I know. I know. I was there a couple of years ago. You got to yeah. tell me. So yeah, I th- I think if if there's a team that can get away with their starting quarterback not being in the game, the Saints. Really, you think that more than anybody else? You think that be- because they're so deep in other positions. You agree with that, Luke? That the Saints can roll right along without Drew Brees? No, I didn't say no. roll right along. I, mean, I just said get by. L- yeah. less than other teams. Yeah, you've you got know. you've got Bridgewater. You got Tyson Hill. It's just going to can, can Brees's. Body hold up. You saw it at the end, towards the end of the year. He was losing some arm strength. Uh, there, question on the offensive line: Who's at center? Uh, and and then the biggest question on defense: Marcus Davenport. You know he had to have the procedure in October to fix his toe. If he's healthy uh, up front with Cam Jordan uh, and they sure up the secondary, Patrick Robinson, PJ Williams are fighting for a position back there. But I tell you what. Last year, they were people were wondering how do you respond from the phantom tackle, you know, that put them out in seventeen, where they go thirteen and three. So how do they respond off of the NFC Championship? I think the Saints every could be every bit of a twelve win team this season. All right, Saints, Falcons, Panthers, Bucks. You agree? Saints, Panthers, Falcons, Bucks. Luke. Saints, Falcons, Panthers, Bucks. All right, and I do hear a rumor that New Orleans Saints fans will not be drinking at the games this year, Kelly. Strictly a rumor. Right. We'll be right back. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Fourth segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by Gulfport Home Center, located on Highway 49 in Gulfport, Mississippi. Largest selection of used and new 
manufactured housing anywhere around. So be sure to check them out online, gulfporthomecenter.ms, or go see them in person. More room for you, more room for your family. Well, today is an exciting day, the beginning officially of the Southern Miss uh, athletic season for 2019 to 2020. Soccer down in Baton Rouge taking on number 24 LSU. It is an exhibition match, uh, but wish Coach uh, Moe and all the Lady Eagles uh, great success tonight. The 2019 roster features 14 returners, six newcomers, and three freshmen. We told you some of those uh, transfers earlier in the week. So Lady Eagles at 6 p.m. tonight take on LSU. All right. Sounds uh, like Football-wise, guys, uh, yeah, I mean, it, you, you start with LSU and uh, you play Mississippi State next week, and so that, that's too good. Throw them in the fire early from, from Coach Moe. Um, football has a, a scrimmage tomorrow, but it's it's closed to the public and, and – uh, so, you know, just what we hear, we will pass on uh, to, to use uh, to you guys out there. Been hearing good things out of Jack Abraham throwing the football. Uh, Tate Watley, it's been said that, that his arm strength is significantly better this year. So you wonder, you know, coming out of spring, maybe that's why they, they hadn't named the start, starter yet. Again, guys, uh, just the reports from practices are that there are less walking wounded and everyone seems to be in far – better shape and so you know bringing in coach Durning in the offseason from Charlotte man it's just pretty evident how how great these guys are feeling going through fall camp we look forward to hearing directly from the coach Kelly and when when does the volleyball <laughs> complex open because that's because volleyball is another sport that starts kind of early right Luke, when is it open do we know yet I don't know guys I, I mean they named it after Kelly so I thought he would be there Did for the ribbon really? cutting Did they? I didn't know that I didn't know that either really do I get paid for that no, I don't, no. you don't get paid for anything uh, volleyball <laughs> volleyball is uh, <laughs> volleyball's 21 21 days away three weeks uh, from today they'll be out in Denver taking on Seattle Denver and San Francisco and then uh, taking on Arkansas State and Mississippi State the uh, the second weekend in September so Maybe so. We were talking about the Saints guys, and Luke told us they open up against Texas the, the, with the Texans, the Houston Texans. So this weekend I was watching an NFL channel, and the Texans practiced one day with the Green Bay Packers. And they always have this little deal up in Green Bay when they have the first inter-squad practice. They bring a bunch of little kids out there, and they ride the little kids' bikes. Did you see this? J.J. Watt was going to ride the bike for the Texans, and when he sat on the bike, he crushed it. <laughs> It just collapsed underneath him. Like like those clowns at the circus, right, with the little tiny wheels. So he, he immediately bought the child a new bike. I mean, he made it clear he was going to buy the child a new bike. That's he, his answer he, to everything. Just buy him a new yeah, one. He crushed the kid's bike. I thought that was hilarious. Hey, you know, a lot of people watch and uh, listen to this program. Some people, you know, watch it, I guess. But um, And we hear lots of good feedback. We appreciate all, all the kind words. Barry Wolf has tweeted at us today. Barry Wolf, one of the outstanding wrestlers of the SWA yeah. actually listens to this program right. and uh, and gave us uh, well, good. thumbs up. Good so for him. The Loco Lobo, as he's known. Barry People Wolf. People may not know this, but Kelly is the, what, ring announcer for... No, I'm the, uh, the, the color commentator. You're the color commentator for professional wrestling in this area, aren't you? Yeah, and, and Barry Wolf's one of those guys you gotta, you got to kind of watch nice out for. It. Well, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. But that's no guarantee. I mean, just because well, you're still, not... He can still go off on you. You just never know. You know. uh, Esquire, in the event more people like Mr. Wolf would like to uh, follow the Eagle Hour, where might they be able to do that, young stallion? 
<laughs> well, as of now, you can check us out on supertalk.fm via SoundCloud. You can listen to us on uh, Spotify, on Stitcher, on the Google Play Music app, or on the iTunes podcast app. I'm a big Stitcher guy myself, Kelly. How about right. you? Barry Wolf's a big Stitches guy. Is he? He's got a lot of stitches <laughs> in his no, head. No, he'll right? deliver more than I think. He'll deliver stitches. Is that correct? It's all this high-tech stuff. You know that I don't. I just don't. I was going to say Kelly really doesn't know what he's talking about or what we're talking Look, about. High, high tech. All you do is scroll over <laughs> to podcasts on your iPhone, select the icon, and type in Eagle Hour, and then just push it, and it comes on. Does my it's iPhone have a podcast? A it should. It's a purple yes, icon automatically. It looks like a little eye with some rings around it, kind of. Podcast. Yes, that's it. Huh? You should be able to search it up and just type that's in the it? Eagle Hour. That's all I do. Yeah. Yeah, but on my flip phone, I don't have that. Look, you don't have a flip phone. It's making my phone ring. <laughs> well, I'm glad you something guys, makes no your Bob, phone listeners, ring, Bob. No, Bob. You're, <laughs> Bob's phone is ringing because he doesn't put it on silent. I was going to say, the listeners of the That's Eagle Hour know that ringtone from a daily basis. I hit the podcast button and the phone rings. No, I like, it's <laughs> this, like is why I this is why I don't do these things. <laughs> I'm, I'm just glad that your phone does still ring, Bob. <laughs> yeah. Do you have that problem, How do we Kelly? kill the... Oh, well, next no. week on the program, for, for Bob, next week we're going to have Bob Matthews on here who, is, um, who does his, his radio talk show every day. He's at Redskins Training Camp, and Bob Matthews oh, will Strike be, up that song, Luke. Strike it up. We'll be on the show next Tuesday, so Bob can ask him, is it going to be as bad as everybody thinks it's oh, going to be, especially after being drubbed by the Based Browns last night? Based on what I saw night. last night, I would say yes. But it'll be cool to get to talk to Bob Matthews. It'll be Stay fun. hopeful. Thanks for listening all week, everybody. I see a four-treat bar and grill Shrimp poor boy, my future I think that's good. Yeah, Yeah. sounds like a good prediction. We'll be back uh, Monday at one o'clock. We hope you'll join us. Until then, Southern Miss to To the the top. top. To the top. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.